Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What is happening, everybody? Jason Wright here with episode 117 of the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. I'm curious. I'm curious if any of you listening to this have listened to the Full Access Project, which is the um, twice-a-week mini bonus podcast that I've been putting out. Totally different format than this show, but kind of behind the scenes and the the raw and the real journey of the entrepreneur. So a little contrast, a little different type of show, but still interesting and uh, something that I feel like I need to do. So I'm doing it. On this show, as you know, we usually have guests and we do have another great one today. We will get into that here in a moment. But I want to talk to you guys about something interesting. So this week, if you heard the last episode, you may have heard this, but I got in way over my head on a project for a client. And had I known what the project really entailed, I probably wouldn't have done it. And this is where it gets important for the fact that I would have assumed I couldn't do it. So this is that stepping out of the comfort zone thing. I mean, obviously, if somebody wants me to build them a plane, I'm probably not going to do it because people are going to die if I do it wrong, which I will because I have no idea what I'm doing. But something that's slightly beyond what you've done before, I encourage you to go for that. I encourage you to try that, knowing that you may fail, but... Um, you're going to learn. There's going to be a learning experience tied to that. And you may even discover a new love or something that's that you would have never seen. So this eye-opening experience that I had with this client this week has actually given me a great idea for my own website. And I'm working on something really hard this weekend. Hopefully be out by the time you hear this. But it's uh, basically a new lead generation um, funnel for the website, but not in, in a way I've ever attempted or even thought of or heard of before. So pretty cool stuff, but you know, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. So enough about me. Uh, today's guest, we've got Damian Lupo from Total Finan- Total Control Financial, excuse me. And we had a great conversation. Uh, he's the author of several books and sent me some of those and have w- read one of them so far and really enjoyed it. So looking forward to sharing this episode with you guys and uh, so you can see what, uh, you know, what we talked about. What is happening, everybody? I've got another great guest with me this week. I've got Damian Lupo, and he is the founder of Total Control Financial. He's a published author and a lifelong entrepreneur himself. Damian, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No problem. Thank you for being patient while we uh, worked our butts off to make this podcast happen finally. Hey, you know what? Disruption is worth it. You got to have patience when you're trying to disrupt things and empower people. Sometimes things don't go exactly as planned and we're in a, a world of, of things changing quickly and you have to be able to adapt or you get run over. Absolutely. And unfortunately, uh, patience isn't one of my strong suits, but I'm working on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to hear about your journey in entrepreneurship uh, from when it all began for you at 11 years old to the present day. All right. So the, you guys have probably heard Mickey Mouse and those high speed tracks where people talk really fast and like the micro machine man. But I'm going to try not to do that with you guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll try to keep this in, in human language so it's, it's not completely confusing. I, I started, I mean, I think when you have this entrepreneurial thing, it's in your blood and mine just popped out at, at 11. I started buying and selling Nintendo games because my parents told me we don't have any money. And what do you think money grows on trees? And I said, well, I think I can grow it some other way, but I, I just, I, I solved a problem. My problem is I wanted to buy Nintendo games and, and that's, it's kind of the core of anything that's really worked in my life is finding a problem and then solving it. The places I got into trouble were where I just thought I want more money. And that ultimately wasn't really a problem. It was just about me getting and gathering money and not really helping other people. So the intention really is important. And and so as I went along from 11 and Nintendo, I ended up doing some insurance stuff and, and got pretty heavy into real estate in the early 2000s. And that's where I learned a ton, made a ton. I mean, we're talking $20 million in property that I built up and then I lost it. And I went from a positive $5 million net worth to a negative $5 million. And that happened over about 18 months. So I, the, the amount of lessons there were pretty epic. You can't help but to learn a massive amount that you'd never get in a book it, when you go through that kind of stuff. And that, that pushed me into a place where I am today. Have, having gone through that, I'm building businesses differently than I was before. And, and we can really, I think we should talk about that because there's a different way of doing business. You can do it where you make a big pile of money and it looks successful, but there's a lack of fulfillment and a lack of, a lack of permanency. It's not really sustainable. And that is where people really need to focus is finding the path that's going to allow them to have a sustainable business and, and not just something where it's like a, a one hit wonder shows up and then gets blown to smithereens. Mm -hmm. No, man, you just said a bunch of really, really powerful stuff. So I'm curious, and I hope you don't mind me going here. So when you when you're talking about the uh, positive five million net worth to negative, at what point during that 18 month transition did you think, oh crap, this isn't good? I mean, was there was there like a defining moment, or was it just kind of gradual that you know that built along the way? Well, it's it's crazy how fast things can happen. I, I but there was a point in I, I want to say it was December 2000 six where I had, uh, I want to say it was five or five or seven projects that all had pro formas where I anticipated these projects or these deals and our real estate developments were all going to kick out at least a million dollars in cash to me. That was the profit. So everything looked good. And it was within probably 12 months where there was a lot of stuff happening in 2007. And I thought something is really, really not right here. And the truth is we see these signs earlier than we even like, I saw it much earlier than 2007 because in 2005 I was watching property go up at five or 10% a month. And that is not normal. It's not sustainable and there's nothing rational about it. So instead of making a bunch of money in 2005 and then taking a break while the hysteria and the chaos was unraveling, I just went right back in. And that's the problem with being successful, especially early on. You think, oh, it's all me. And sometimes you catch timing and you don't realize you still have to have fundamentals. And ultimately, it's like being at a casino where you go in there and you keep doubling down. Eventually, the house is going to win if you're not smarter than, than the house and if you keep risking everything all the time. And that's what I see a lot of people doing until they've been burned and they learn. So the idea here is, Learn from that mistake that we've made before you. Don't put everything in every time because eventually there's a hiccup or a black swan event and you give it all back and you have to start over. And that's the truly painful process to go through. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. About two years ago this month, actually, um, this is kind of scary. I think to the day. I think literally to the day, October 10th. I'd have to check for sure. But if not, it's real close. But I quit the corporate job, uh, corporate America, you know, salary and all that to chase a money opportunity that was entrepreneurial, but it was all about money. 
And I had some savings. It was uh, like a Roth 401k that I already paid the taxes on that I could basically take out. No problem. And I used some of that in some savings and I thought it'd last me six months. Well, in three months I was broke and uh, I had nothing to show for it. And it was uh, a painful lesson of you you got to provide value. You've got to help people. You've got to do everything you just said. And, um, you know, now I'm, I'm building a different type of business. But talk to me a little bit about that. So you mentioned uh, you build businesses differently now. Let's talk about that some more. Yeah, the, the first thing that I do that I didn't do back then, back in the in the early days, I, I'm building something based on a foundation that's sustainable, that everybody understands, acknowledges, and is a part of. And that really is that the, the business is based on a core set of values. We've got six values in the current business that I'm, I'm running, and there's a mission. And it, when I was doing this before with the real estate stuff and my other businesses, it was just about making more money. It was the the Wall Street 2 movie where somebody is, Josh Brolin is asked what his number is when he's going to quit. Like, when what is enough. And Josh's answer is more. And that was my mentality. It was just more made a million. Cool. Let's make two. Now I'm a multimillionaire. Well, then we go to five and then I need to be in multiple States. And, and so there's a shift into what is the core that's driving me? It, it, what what values like self-responsibility is the core of the six. And so everybody that comes into my team, in fact, even customers and clients, either they are self-responsible or they don't get to play. I, I don't have that in my life anymore. I'm quick to banish people and, and, and cut those things out if they're not in alignment because you can really create a lot of toxicity if you don't have the right values aligned with the people that are around you. So that that's the, the, the first thing to really think about. And then it's the constant question, what problem am, am I solving? And how am I making people's lives better? And the reason it's so important is because if you wake up in the morning and you've got a hard day in front of you and you're you're fired up by a mission, you're going to jump into it and you're going to stay late and you're going to get get it done. If you're not fired up about something that's deeply impactful, that's satisfying one of those six human needs, the significance and contribution. If you're not if it's just about security of more money, you're going to eventually wear yourself out and you're going to tap out and you're going to walk away because it's too hard. You got to find something that's, that's deeper than just more cash. Absolutely. I, I think that's uh very well said. And, and, you know, that's kind of my attraction to motivation, honestly. You know, do I get paid anything for anything motivation I do? No, not at this point. I, I don't care if I ever do. But when you get that one uh, piece of feedback, hey, I needed to hear that today and here's why, it it, it does, you know, what you said. It, it shows you the impact that you can have it on another, on another and another, and it can spread really far. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, we can't undo yesterday. We can't foresee or guarantee tomorrow. So what we've got is right now. And do something positive with it. And I actually just watched that uh, that two-minute video on your website. I love that video, man. Very well put together. Uh, gave me a very quick sense of who you are. And I, I think you've done uh, done great things with that, doing the same thing. I appreciate that. The, the that was you know it's really fascinating because when when that video was put together and we're we're talking there's a, an intro video on Total Control Financial that really talks about why we're doing what we're doing the the point of of giving people power over their money and and why we're going against something like Wall Street because it it really it helps everybody to understand that this is from it's deep it, it's it's something that is really it's actually really personal to me because I watched both of my parents basically work within the system, trust Wall Street, and then retire broke and struggled. And the the problem with that isn't that you need more money to be happy, but if you're always afraid that you don't have enough, then you have a conversation like I had with my father a few, about six weeks before he passed away. And we sat there and I, I'd flown up to Alaska to visit with him because I knew his time was coming. And when we were sitting there, he looked at me and he said, you know, there were just so many things that I wanted to do. 
And I realized in that moment that he was living in a space of regret. And I thought, wow, I mean, it was, it tore me apart. And I, I thought I have got to find a way one to never have that moment where I look back and go, I wish I had done other things. And two, I got to find a way to help other people see that and live that because the worst scenario is the end of your life. You look back and there's regret and we, and there are other options. Regret is the literal worst thing that could ever happen. I agree with you. And I'll, I'll share this with you as well. This is kind of interesting that we're talking about this. So my, my day job right now, so I've gone back into the corporate world for as long as necessary to help support things. The day jobs in the mortgage industry, and what's really interesting is uh, obviously it's a different space than it was pre-bubble burst, highly regulated and all that. But I get to see a lot of people uh, in retirement age, and it's really um, eye-opening and concerning to me that as Americans, we're never taught financial education or common sense anywhere, You know, certainly not in school. And you can see that uh, when people are at retirement age and really have Nothing but Social Security, and it's it's scary because I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to do that, and that's why I work so hard to build. Uh, I'm building something significant of my own now, so I don't have to defend depend on other people. You know, at the end of my life. Yeah, and, and that that you're you're really just owning the self responsibility factor, and I, I think that that's something. Before people even change tactics, they have to really decide that they are not going to point the finger at anybody else. That they're going to say, "My life, my choice, my design, my responsibility," and and n- never again say, "Well, the economy's bad, or the stock market crashed, or whatever." There's always a boogeyman out there. We can always point fingers, and that gets us nowhere because we can't change anything about it. Even when people are are yelling and screaming and protesting and all that stuff, that still doesn't change the fact that they're not being totally responsible about their life. And when mm-hmm. you do that, everything changes. It's it's funny you say that. The other day, I don't even remember what context this was in, but somebody said, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the economy is still terrible. And I looked at him and, and I was looking at him, you know, I consider myself to be a good read of people. And I was like, is this guy serious? And I immediately knew this guy is dead serious. It took everything I had not to tell him what I really thought about that statement. But I was like, huh. I said, you know, that's that's the first I've heard that in a long time. It's I haven't heard that in a while, but I just I can't even take it seriously. I mean, is there many things we can control in this world? No, but what can we control? We can control our attitude, our effort, our actions. You know, so I, I just that finger pointing stuff. It's such a such an easy way out. You know, if you don't like the direction you're headed, then change it. Do something about it. It, there, you know, there's there's something about how we see things and, and the the labels that we give things, the our, our impression, our interpretation of of what's going on, and and you can look at numbers and you can justify it or you can validate any opinion. You can say the mar- the market or you can say the economy in general is awesome, and you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it's a disaster. It's the worst that it's been in a hundred years. You can literally do that with numbers. Question is, why are you doing those things? And more important than the the economy outside of you is what is what's your personal economy. I mean, there are people that are making fortunes now. They're having massive impacts, changing the world. Why aren't you one of those? Well, you're going to sit there and, and focus on red alerts on the news telling you that everything is falling apart. Man, you know, people are, are making stuff happen. And that can be you too, if you're willing to step up and stop listening to the bobbleheads on television that are telling you everything is falling apart, keep watching and then buy our, from our advertisers. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny for that reason. I, I don't think I've watched the news consistently for probably about four years now. I don't have any clue what's going on in the world around me unless I hear about it from other people. And it sounds crazy, but I'm a happier person. My life's better because of it. And I think this ties back into what you said earlier about surrounding yourself with the right type of people. You know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you got the wrong people in there with you. You know, if everybody around you tells you, like, this is really funny. So my 11-year-old son 
10 minutes before we jumped in this podcast. He's like, hey, dad, you know the book I'm writing? I said, yeah. So, you know, he's writing a book. And I, I'll never crush any of those dreams because that's not how we, we get down around here. We, we keep it inspirational and we, we make stuff happen. And he said, you know, my friends, they think it's funny and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, Ethan, you got to remember, be careful who you share your dreams with because if, if people have, you know, small minds with it because they haven't been exposed to it, you have to expect responses like that. And if you get a response like that today and you tell them every day this week, you're probably going to get that same response. So I believe in you. You know, you got to talk to other big thinkers to, to get that feedback that you need. So I said, remember that just because of your friends doesn't mean you need to share everything with them. You got to be careful who you share what with. That that's that's probably the most powerful thing that people can take ownership of, and it can it can be the hardest thing, especially as people get older and they have families and and they're they're sensitive to being uh, separate from other people that are really close to them that they love, and yet there is a price that we pay by spending any time and then a lot of time with people that are going to be the crabs in the box that are going to pull us down. And I remember when I more or less fired my family and most of my friends 15 years ago ish, and and it was it was kind of wild because I surrounded myself with other people immediately, and people say, well, where do you find these people, these these like mythical unicorns, and and I found them by this kind of thing. It was the people I was listening. To to. It was the podcast and be pre-podcast. It was tapes, like literally old school tapes. And I just listened to Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and, and Brian Tracy. And I just absorbed it. And I became a lot of that stuff. And there, those guys focus on positive outlooks and ways for you to change your life. And so you can change the people around you really fast. Just change the, the, the stuff that's going in your ears. And it's like immediate. Absolutely. I like to say, and this isn't my line, I don't know where I heard it, but be the change you want to see in the world. You know, Michael Jackson had it right with Man in the Mirror, that is for sure. So through all the different businesses that you've had and you've been in, what do you think the most impactful single lesson is that you've taken away? That you cannot see yourself swing. And if you don't have people, and I'm not talking about your spouse that loves you or your best friend or or whatever. I'm talking about if you don't have somebody, a coach, somebody that's outside of you that you are paying to give you honest, candid feedback, then you are going to miss things that are right in front of you because you're too close to it and you just don't know what questions to ask. So when I've, when I've had people in my life, it's helped keep me on track and super accountable. Whenever I've pushed people out because I became the SMOP, the smartest man on the planet, when I got into that space and I pushed people out, all of a sudden I got run over by a train because I couldn't see things and my ego started driving. That's the one thing I would keep. And it's not just a, potentially a coach. It's, I like people that are bald or gray that have been out in the, in the field. I like listening to people that have been through it. That's just my preference. There are some great coaches that haven't actually played, but I like the, the mentors that can tell me from an emotional place from a, it's like the emotional intelligence that you read about in uh, EQ from Goldman, the book that it just, it's profound. You want people to be able to tell you things based on instincts and not just academic intelligence. And that is incredibly valuable. And I think we always should have that around us. Yeah, there's definitely no replacement for that, uh, that real life experience is there. No, there's, there's not. And this is one of the things that I have a hard time with, with things like college. And I dropped out four times. So I'm an excellent drop router. I'm just not very good at, <laughs> at sticking with it. It, it. There's so much academic regurgitation and there's a lack of thinking and there's definitely a lack of practical experience that's that's guiding people. And so I just watched the cycle. And I the last time I was there, I was a full-time student in, in Austin at UT for 45 minutes. I couldn't handle the level of stupidity around these people that had read a bunch of books, had a thesis, got a 
PhD and then they were just pe- preaching without any real world understanding. And that just doesn't work for me. I think we need to go find people that have been out there, done it. And it's kind of like old school apprenticing and things. Those are the people that we should be listening to, not the ones with all the credentials that haven't been out there in the real world with live bullets flying. Absolutely. I, I was talking to a, a buddy uh, last week and he uh, got a bachelor's, I don't know where from, but in marketing and advertising. And we were talking about Facebook advertising and he asked me a question and I was talking to him. And after about two minutes, he's like throwing up the timeout with his hands. He's like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, what they teach you in school? He's like, none of this stuff. It's just mm-hmm. kind of funny because it's like, you know, in four years, I don't know what you learned in regards to at least digital marketing and uh, you know, that space is uh, modern enough and changes enough that you got to do it to keep up with it. So perfect example for what you were just talking about. Yeah, there, things are changing so fast. It, another reason that college anymore doesn't make a whole lot of sense are these these formal programs because over a period of four years, the stuff you learned the first year is totally different four years later. I mean, that is how fast things are changing. You've got to be on the edge of stuff. And if you're not, you're going to wake up and go, wait, I'm totally irrelevant. I've been robotized. A great book I just read was The uh, the, the Rise of, of Machines. And it's about automation and robotics and how these things are taking over. And either you need to solve a problem in that space using that technology or realize that you're going to have to reinvent yourself because you're probably going to be outsourced or digitized or robotized here in the next five to 10 years. It is a wave that's happening. And if you're, if you ignore it or you don't pay attention, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to sideswipe you. It's interesting you say that. And I assume you mean both physically and in the digital world with automation. Yeah, physically, both. Absolutely. Yep. There, there's almost nothing. I mean, really, truly, we're, we're talking about military. We're talking about accounting law. We're talking about picking fruit. We're talking about all these things, driving trucks. Truck drivers are one of the largest employment uh, categories in the United States right now. Those are all going away because of autonomous vehicles that are going to be driving trucks. What are those people supposed to do? They don't have any other skills. They're going to have to see this thing into the future and start planning for it, or they're just going to wake up one day and go, wow, my job's gone. What do I do? And then they're going to start yelling. So you've got to be thinking, could my job be outsourced? And the truth is most jobs can be, most work can be. It's really, really interesting timing. Um, so a big focus of my business lately has been um, you know, digital marketing and a big piece of that's automation through email, through text, through Facebook Messenger, et cetera. And uh, I was just, I mean, half an hour ago, I was just talking to a buddy about a course I'm putting together for the same thing. And it's funny because I didn't think there was the demand out there for it that there is, but people hear the word automation, whether it's in real life or online, and they know it's kind of like a buzzword and a thing, but a lot of people still don't really know what the benefit is. But like you say, I mean, you've got the the robotic vacuums now at Lowe's. It'll vacuum your house while you sleep. You've got you know, the email and the marketing campaigns and, you know, they get very, very complicated and cool and complex, but you're not kidding, man. If you don't stay ahead of this stuff, it's just going to uh, put a lot of people in a very unfamiliar place a lot, a lot more quickly than I think we even believe, you know? Yeah. But most of the population is going there. I mean, what in in this last presidential election, there was a a secret um, war room ish type of thing in San Antonio where the Trump campaign ran digital media and they were doing stuff with Facebook and it was become people didn't even realize this was happening. They were being targeted, but it's happening more and more where people are just basically being treated like um, like animals. They're very predictable. And it's because we have we're emotional and psychologically we are pretty predictable. And if you don't understand the stuff is being used against you, even if you don't use this stuff with marketing and digital, you, you, it's being used against you. So you should at least know what's happening so that you can decide what you want to do versus just knee jerk reacting to things and then re, and then being part of somebody's master plan. 
Absolutely. So if we think about startups for a moment, what financial focuses do you think startups should have that may be very different than what people might assume? Well, well the, the bottom line with, with uh, starting up a business is you need to understand if there's actually somebody that's going to pay you money. One, one of the things that I made a mistake on was thinking about, uh, academically thinking about the business that I have in terms of what people thought about it versus what the customers were going to do with it. And, and it, big companies tend to do quant studies. They do focus groups. And we think, oh, yeah, everybody loves my idea. And people out there have said, this is great. Well, the only thing that matters is if somebody's going to trade their money for your thing, your service, your product. And the, as fast as you can figure that out. It's really easy these days to raise money. You can raise, raise, raise money with an idea and not much else. And the problem is it's about sales. It's, a, it's about selling to people that are going to have their life better off than before you showed up. And so you have to f- be hyper-focused on solving a problem and finding out if people truly will trade their money. That's the, that's the only thing that really matters in the beginning. All the other stuff is just noise. No, I think you're right in that that proof of concept, man. I, I can't reiterate what you said. It's so, so powerful. I cannot tell you the amount of, we'll call them projects, that I was like, man, this is going to be great. And you get them out there, nobody cares, or they're, nobody's willing to pay even small money for it. You're like, man, how did I miss this? But no, you're, you're absolutely right if, you, if you're going to, you know, because most startups are going to have a limited budget and limited amount of time before they're out of money. So if they're not making money and figuring out how to do so, you know, quickly, they become one of those statistics that disappear in two years or less. That, that's that's what happens most of the time. We've been, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people have been led to believe that if you create this cool gizmo, they will show up. You know, if, if you invent it, people will show up. They've watched Apple too much. Apple invents something and then people are raving fans. Apple didn't start off inventing something that was cool and, and then people just bought it because it was Apple. They had to actually solve a problem. And you can maybe show somebody that they have a problem they didn't realize they had. But what this comes down to really is selling. And selling is about storytelling and it's about showing people that they're going to be better off with whatever it is you have than before. And if people ignore that piece of business or that skill set, and they think I'll just create this cool thing and everything else will work out you, that you're going to be one of the statistics, you know, you're going to be one of the nine out of 10 that's, that's toast in, in the first couple of years, you got to figure out how to sell. And, and there's lots of places you can do that, but that's what it's, that's what it's all about. And then acknowledging the reality of the sales, having two people buy your thing is not a proof of concept. You know, and, and you, you need to really look at the numbers and be honest. Most businesses, in my experience, don't pay attention to the actual numbers. They they tend to focus, if anything, on the top line or on the market. They go, if I just had 1% of this market, my company would be worth $37 billion. And that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because 1%, you know, let's say that's, that's a million people and you have two people. There is a huge huge amount of path that you have to go through, you have to take to go from two people to a million people. So acknowledging the numbers and then having people that have been through this stuff before so that you're not out there just spinning your wheels and wasting time, I think is the most powerful thing you can do. Okay. Very nice. And, and what you just said, kind of the answer you just gave kind of spills over into my, my next uh, kind of idea here. But if you think about a struggling entrepreneur, so let's say somebody's within that two-year period um, say that they're kind of dialed into a product or service. They're making some sales. They're they're struggling. They're not doing great, but they're they're in business. What three tips, based on your experience, could you give them to maybe help them stop struggling so much? 
Well, the first one is to make sure you understand who your top 20% customer or client is, who's actually driving the revenue. There's a thing called Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. And you want to understand who's actually supporting your business and who's chewing up all your time. And typically, you'll very quickly realize there's a certain group of people that make you a lot of money and they'll buy more and more of what you have. And then there's the other 80% that are going to just absolutely keep you broke. And it's really important to learn how to say no to the people that are, that are chewing up your time and not going to be the people that support your business and get rid of them. Pass them on to your competitors. And then along those lines, it's it's really important to be laser-like focused on that thing you do. I've watched, and I've done this myself, where I have I start off with way too many things instead of doing really, really great at one thing. And and then you expand from that base. And that that also includes as an entrepreneur starting a business and then saying, okay, I'm going to jump to another business because I got that cool thing. And then I'm going to do a little real estate here and I'm going to do a network marketing there. And I and I've you know, somebody says I've got seven businesses, and I go, yeah. And what's your net bottom line? Focus on the bottom line, not the top line. What's this thing actually net putting in your pocket? People get really stupid about going to the ego number, which is the top line. Nobody cares if your top line is really big and you're bleeding to death. The Uber model is not the ideal model, even though it's going to be worth $60 billion. You can't set your business up to be a unicorn with that type of expectation unless you want to be roadkill. Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of like way off topic, but I just want to point this out to people listening. So Damien has no clue what these questions are. And I just love how easily you transition into awesome answers. You know, it almost sounds like it, you've, you know exactly what's coming, but he has no idea what's coming. So this is uh, all real and, and totally organic stuff. And I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, are there, this is kind of a curveball for you. Are there any additional businesses that you would ever want to get involved with, or you've thought about getting involved with? I know, you know, once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that I love. I mean, my, at, a, at my core, I'm a teacher. So I find things where I can teach. I mean, I, but businesses, just bottom line numbers, businesses, things like bug control is very cool because it's always going to be there. Like bugs are not going away. I don't care what the economy is doing. So I love that, but it doesn't really serve my soul. And it's not something where I'm going to make a big impact that other people aren't doing. So there's nothing unique about me doing that. I I, I think there's things that are going to be consistent like that. Mini storages, you know, stuff that is not going to go away. It's important for us to realize that we have a limited amount of time and there's lots of ways to make money. If you're going to just trade your time for money and that's it, you're going to really live a shallow life, a hollow life. And it's going to be based on moments of success, but not really deep fulfillment. And so if you can figure out that thing and here's how you do it, everybody goes, well, how do I figure out my why? How do I figure out the thing, my passion, all this stuff? The, the way that I think you can do it really fast is to take the six human needs. And I wrote about these in Reinvented Life and that those six needs are love and connection, certainty and variety and contribution and significance. And if you look at your goals, what you want in your life, ask yourself um, with those different, those, those six needs, which of your goals are serving those things? And if all of your goals are about security, money, house, that, that kind of stuff, you're going to be missing these pieces that you need, the goals that that serve and and fulfill you. If you can create goals that serve your your need to contribute and have significance on the planet, what you'll find is something pops out of you. It's that inner fire because you're not going to have something that's contributing to the planet that doesn't get you excited and doesn't create this passionate drive inside you. So if you can start looking at your goals with the filter of those six human needs, all of a sudden, you're naturally going to find your passion and you're going to find your reason, your why bubbling out of that. Mm -hmm. I heard you mention your book uh, briefly. Tell us a little bit about your book. 
Well, reinvented life was was kind of this funny accident after the the meltdown. After having lost millions and millions of dollars, I did the next natural thing, which would be just deny it, pretend it didn't happen. And then after a couple of years of doing that, I realized I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to have this thing holding on to me because a lot of times we hold on to our past and it becomes a noose or an albatross. And I wanted to be done with that. And part of it was because I wanted to be done with the guy that I was because I didn't really like that guy very much. So I asked the question, what is true? And I, I drilled down for a couple of years. And after a couple of years of drilling down, I realized who I was, was a guy that was looking at consumption as the end all be all. And there was something far more important. And this book, when Chris and I wrote Reinvented Life, we really drilled into our reinvention process of going from where we were in our lives. And and Chris was a classical musician that traveled around the world, and he realized he was going to be broke doing that his whole life. And so he kind of transitioned in a major way into finance and creating massive companies. And I went in sort of the opposite direction. I went from all about money to teaching, focusing on teaching martial arts, teaching finance, literacy, empowering people. And and so the book talks about our stories and it also gives you a massive amount of tools and questions that will allow you to take your path and pull the inner guru out of your soul. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. Very nice. And where, where could somebody buy that book? You can get it on Amazon. You can, uh, there's also an, a companion workbook that you can download on DamianLupo.com and, and it, it has all the questions that are in the book. So it's a great companion and you can fill it out and get messy with it. Very nice. Very nice. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of awesome things going on now. What's next for you? What other big projects are you working on down the road? There, there's, uh, there's a couple of books that are coming out in early 2018. Uh, one of them is called Unicornomics. It's about building a, a billion-dollar company and the, the naked truth behind that, what happens behind the scenes that we really don't see, and then how to be more likely to be successful in that process. And accompanying that is going to be a lot of financial training, teaching, how to become wealthy, how to understand what wealth is, how to build the confidence muscle. So my job is not to just tell somebody here are the, th- the three things that you do to make more money or do better with marketing, but it's, it's, I'm kind of a financial trainer, a financial f- uh, personal trainer. I want to help people build those muscles because the truth is financial freedom is not about cash or cash flow. It's about confidence. It's the wrong C we're focusing on. When you have the confidence, Nobody can ever take that away, and you can always rebuild. You can always build. You can use your mind, and that way you're not afraid of losing money or losing assets because you realize it's always you, and you can always do it again. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Well, if somebody listening today would love to get in touch with you and learn more about your company and what you do, what's the best way for them to do so? Best way to bridge right into me and, and, the, and the work I'm doing with the company and everything else is DamianLupo.com, and that's D-A-M-I-O-N Lupo.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, man, I want to thank you very much for your time. Uh, I've enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh, This has been great, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, Jason. Thanks for the work you're doing and for having me on and and allowing us to to wrap here for a bit. It's been very cool. Awesome. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jason. All right. We are back to the show. Damien, thanks again, man. I really, really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and your insights and your story and all the books you sent me as well. If you guys want to check out the show notes from this episode, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com, episode 117. They get Damon's info and his bio and ways to contact him. And, you know, kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, I encourage you guys to keep pushing yourself. Keep trying new things, you know, stepping beyond what you know and where you're comfortable because you're going to learn for sure and you might discover something that you love more than anything you've ever done, but you won't know unless you try. If you stay comfortable within the boundaries that you have right now, you'll never know what's outside of them. 
That's all I've got for you this week, guys. I appreciate the time and your ear as always. We'll catch up with you later in the week for more episodes of the show. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.